One, two, three, four. We are five girls separated by geography. We've never met in person, but it's like we're family. Our self is our thoughts and feelings that we want to share with you. So listen as we spill the tea. Let the mic and do what we do. Hey, I'm Hannah. I'm Ella. I'm Mel. I'm Taylor. I'm Daya. And I'm Tori Caro. And welcome to this very special episode of Girl Stuff. <laughs> um, as you can see, today we are joined by a very special guest, the amazing, wonderful, talented Tori Caro. Um, I know we've said this a lot on our show. We say this like every single episode, but the five of us would not have met if it wasn't for Julie and the Phantoms, which obviously Tori has played a very integral role in. So I feel like in a lot of ways, we kind of have Tori as one of the many people to thank for the five of us being together and like starting this podcast so thank you so much for being here Tori of course yeah um and so for this episode we're gonna talk all about her life and career as a dancer and choreographer as well as her overall experiences you know being a young woman working professionally in the entertainment industry because as you know it's one of the toughest industries out there and of course talk all about her experience with Julie and the Phantoms and then wrap it up with some fun questions that um, our listeners actually helped curate some of those um, and then just wrap it up with what we can expect from you in the future and in 2021 and beyond. So um, without further ado, why don't you go ahead and take it away, Mel? Go ahead. Okay, we're going to start with a little introduction round for people who don't know you. You worked on many different like shows and as a dancer and a choreographer and our question, our first question is, how did you discover your passion for dance? Well, I began dancing when I was three years old, mostly because my mom would put on these movies, like, you know, the Barbie princess movies, I don't even remember the names of them, but like with the pink and blue dress, and I would like put on my dresses and spin around the living room break a lot of things um <laughs> but my mom was like okay we'll we'll put you in a dance class so that you can have some structure my parents always wanted to keep me busy growing um they thought it was going to be sports because they always played sports um but my parents wanted to just make sure i was able to do many things and try things that they didn't get to try so they put me in dance and I fell in love with storytelling and performing and with it. That's incredible. Like um, the way your parents saw you break stuff and were like, oh, we're putting her into dance. Um, <laughs> what is it What is it about dance that drew you like into, what drew you into dance besides breaking stuff? I mean, just growing up watching things like High School Musical and different TV shows and movies and all the music videos uh like Britney was a big inspiration for me um I didn't know that I loved dance for a really long time I kind of would just copy what I saw on TV and I would get into dance class and I'd be like okay this is fun I guess like I, this is something I'm doing with my time um, I never thought that I was going to be a choreographer or a professional dancer. People would ask like, who do you want to dance for? And of course I had people that I wanted to like Brittany and Janet and, um, just icons growing up, but I was never the person that would be like, oh, I want to go on this specific tour, do this, this, and that. And I always kind of felt left out about it. Um, until I found out about dance and choreography in the film and TV world. And what really drew me in and 
made me love it was the storytelling and performing aspect of it. Okay, you mentioned mentioned choreography. Like what what inspired your interest into choreography besides like the storytelling aspect of it? Um, well, I didn't even know it was a thing until one of my mentors who was like, hey, you want to assist me for my uh, convention? I was like, sure. I, at that point, I had been uh, assisting choreographers like Brian Friedman, Tassandra Chavez, Tice Diorio, Chaz Buzan. Um, and he was like, you want to assist me at mine? It's, it's Canadian. And I was like, sure, why not? I've never <laughs> been to Canada. Cool. And then he was like, oh, hey, do you want to assist me for this job that I'm doing? Uh, and it was a Toyota commercial. And I was like, sure, cool. I'll, I'll shadow you. I mean, I'm always down to try new things. And I was there for the whole creative process. And I was like, oh, this is, this is really cool. I never knew you could, not never knew that you could, but I always thought you got into choreography as a teacher first, and then you get asked to do this because people saw your classes. Um, but choreographing for, for TV and film and even commercials is so different because you're given kind of a prompt, which is the script or the thing that you're trying to sell or something like that. And then you mold it around either the product or the story. And so I was like, oh, this is, this is different. This is really cool. And then my mentor had a family emergency. So he was like, can you cover for me? And I was like, uh, I'm, I'm 15. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, are they going to even listen? Like, do they even know who I am? But like I said, I'm always down to try new things. I always jump in head first to everything. So I did it. And then I realized that being a part of the choreography team or being behind the camera as a creative, you are able to contr not control, but shape the narrative of the story through the media that you put out, whether it's the writing or the directing or the choreography. And with choreography, it's kind of all three. The, the definition of choreography is dance writing. And so as a choreographer, what people don't realize is that you're writing the steps and then you're directing your dancers, telling them how to move, where to move, what they should be feeling. And then obviously you're doing the part of it. Um, but I just fell in love with the way that you control the narrative of the story through dance. I feel like choreography is something that requires like a big amount, a large amount of assertiveness and, you know, being like the leader in a group. That's something that kind of always came naturally to you growing up. Were you always, did you always like kind of having the boss pants on and like telling people what to do? Or is that something that you had to really push to learn how to do? Um, I was never really the bossy one. My sister always was. She's five years <laughs> younger than me. It's so funny. We always talk about how like she acts like the oldest and I act like the youngest kind of just <laughs> I, not that I like go with the flow but I don't I don't like conflict and I'm okay with compromising with people but it's so funny because in my choreography pants or whatever <laughs> it comes naturally to yeah. I mean I, I guess growing up I was always helping with competition pieces so mm -hmm. I'd always tell like 
the people dancing whenever I would, I would clean the numbers and like make them look all uniform and stuff, I would be able to be assertive in that way. Um, but so I guess it kind of came naturally when I'm yeah, choreographing and I know how to stand my ground and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but in real life, I'm like, yeah. I mean, whatever you want, not whatever. <laughs> be clear. I know what I want, but I've never yeah. thought that's like, it has to be my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, also an important part of choreography and directing and being in that leadership, leadership position. And that's what I love about Kenny because yes, he stands his ground and everything because he know he knows what he's talking about and he has a big feeling for things, but he listens to the people around him and gets all of these different perspectives so that he can make a clear choice and understand that this is the exact best choice just based on the full story rather than just his narrative. Yeah, and something I've always admired about like what I've seen like of Kenny working is that he always seems to lead by example and he's super collaborative. And so um, I'm sure you can like speak on that too, but um, that's something that I always admired about like like the way that he works. Yeah, and it's crazy because going into, this was my first not real job with Kenny. I had worked with him two times prior. I always forget that I worked with him on Dancing with the Stars, but it wasn't, it wasn't as hands-on. And then the other job that I had done with him, I had auditioned and booked the job, but the Julie and the Phantoms in the Wynn Hotel were kind of happening at the same time. So I can't really say which was first, (laughs) Um, but I was expecting him, you know, Kenny, this big, movie director um he's done all these things he knows what he's talking about like he's gonna be very much the typical director that you hear about in Hollywood demanding these things making sure that he gets whatever he wants this this and that and then you get on set or in rehearsal with him and he sees he sees everybody he truly sees everybody and what I mean by that is like he'll he'll ask you about your day and just be like, oh, well, that's good. And like really care about it. And then be like, hey, what do you think about this move? Or what do you think about this part in the story and pushing dance through it? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? But he really genuinely cares because he wants to know I don't know. I just, <laughs> I think I, so I think uh, one of my favorite videos, because I went in a, like a rabbit hole of Paul Becker's like BTS videos the other day. Every day. It's fine. It's <laughs> As fine. one does. It's As fine. One does. fine. Um, but it was the, I got the music um, behind the scene in the, in the studio room. And I like watching him actually do the moves rather than just like, okay, you do it kind of thing. Or even like the behind the band episodes when he was in the studio singing, like trying to get Maddie or or Charlie to like sing the way he kind of envisions it, but he's showing it. Like to me, I was like, that's incredible, you know? And I mean, it's Kenny Ortega. Everyone loves Kenny Ortega. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I love about him. Like he's 70 years old and still getting in the studio. And there's choreographers and directors that have this vision, but haven't necessarily gone and stood in the actor's shoes or the dancer's shoes and expect these things 
from dancers or actors or any of their crew. And I mean, I get it because yes, that could be really, really cool. And I'm sure there's people out there that can do it, but they demand it in a way of, I need you to do this, but haven't tried it themselves. Mm -hmm. But what Kenny does, I mean, he was a dancer, choreographer. He, he went through all of these different steps and Mm -hmm. stood in their shoes and knows what it takes to be these people. And so every chance he gets, he's making sure that he can even do it before he demands it of us. Mm-hmm. And not that he demands it, but like asks us of it. You Inspires know? you guys to do it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I just think it comes from such a place of empathy and that's what makes him so special and makes all of his work so special because he knows what it takes and I think that's why he's so sweet to everybody and make sure he sees everybody because he knows what it feels like to be not to hold what to do but to to be be on the receiving end of the instruction yes exactly yeah exactly um yeah um Hannah's gonna start talking about the journey of you as a female in the 21st century now so I'm gonna give the mic over to Hannah. Heck yeah. All right. But, but before we do that, I just wanted to ask, like, you were both a dancer and choreographer on the show. Was it hard to kind of mentally switch from that? Or was it a very natural kind of, you know, like, m- mental, it, there's a switch, you know, and was it easy? Was it hard? Like, tell us a little bit about that side of things of, of the show. I've been dancing for so long that this switch is kind of almost second nature. Yeah, I, it was difficult trying to jump between authority position and dance and make sure that I was focused the whole time. Um, Cause I get in these modes, like when you're a dancer, you, want to make sure yes you're focused on getting the job done but at a certain point you you have to have so much fun with it or else it gets stagnant and then it shows on camera Mm -hmm. so you're having to have all this fun and make sure that you're keeping your spirits up and everybody else's spirits up while you're filming for 12 hours a day doing these hard steps in this in these hard shoes on this hard floor um sometimes squeezing in the frame (laughs) it's kind of hard (laughs) you have to make sure that you're like exuding joy so that people on the the receiving end later on when they're watching it get that Mm -hmm. and being a choreographer you don't always have the luxury to be happy and light all the time because like you said earlier you have to have this authority position and so trying to switch back and forth and make sure the job gets done and also you're having fun it's it's difficult being in both shoes because as a dancer you're yes you have to be focused and professional and everything but your focus is being light and lightening everybody else yes that's the job of the choreographer as well so that your dancers are giving the best performance and also happy and safe and everything but with that comes a lot of responsibility so you kind of have to crack the whip a little bit so (laughs) that was the hardest part uh 
but it was like running around with my head chopped off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you've mentioned, you know, that you started at like a very young age, you know, you got your first gig of choreographing on your own. And, you know, as, as someone who was very young at the time, I mean, you said 15 uh, earlier, how, like, how hard did you- 15 or 16, honestly, I can't remember. <laughs> a teen, you were a teen. We'll just, we'll just say that. <laughs> um, a youth. A youth, a youth, exactly. Um, how kind of, how did it feel to have to be, you know, in the front four, like, position of, like, directing as a young woman, you know, like, we're always told, you know, you're a girl, you know, you need to speak up for yourself because you're a female, no one's going to listen to you. And it's kind of engraved in our brain that we kind of need to be on the back end of things, but you had to be on the front and it was very spontaneous. Um, how did that kind of feel for you? And did that shape how you do things now um, that you're doing a lot more choreography and dancing at the same time? Um, I would have to say, luckily, I grew up with a very strong female example, which was my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, It was always so contradicting because I'm Asian and I grew up having to be super respectful and obedient Mm -hmm. and kind of, yes, mom will do that. Yes, mom will do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, she has made a name for herself in her career and was always in authority positions. So she taught me and my sister how to stand our ground and make sure we get what we need at the same time as compromising and being respectful. So I feel like it came pretty naturally to me at that job. Luckily, they also didn't know my actual age, so they came in thinking (laughs) I was this older person who knows what she's doing, and, you know, I put on my acting skills. You got to fake it till you make it. Um, And you made it, (laughs) ma'am. I mean, we're working on it. We're working on it. (laughs) And I honestly, Uh, I really applaud you for like never letting either, whether it be your age or the fact that you're a girl or the fact that, you know, you're an Asian woman, like you've never let any of those things stop you. No, you've never, you, you let those things empower you as opposed to let it let others like define you by it. So, I mean, this is me just hyping you up, but it's like, it's a really big inspiration to me. I mean, you're like, yeah, you're like four years younger than me. And I'm like, (laughs) well I mean don't get me wrong I've had my fair share of explaining <laughs> is age explaining a thing like oh yeah oh, sure. oh yes sure. 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had my fair share of that but I mean I have things that ground me well now I have things I used to get so mad and so annoyed and frustrated thinking okay just because they're a guy they can explain to me like this I've done more than they've not I've done more than they've done but like I have a capable understanding of all of this I have stuff to back me up I don't know why you're trying to explain this to me or people who are older than me saying oh you should be doing this you should be doing that like I've I've done you don't even know me I don't know why you're trying to explain it to me like this 
but I've also realized that I am still pretty new to this, even though I have stuff to back me up and I have a good understanding and I have good instinct for it. There's also so much to learn. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not being explained to me in the nicest way, there aren't always going to be nice people like Kenny to explain when you want explanation. Yeah, they might not be necessarily helping or in the mindset of helping and maybe they are degrading me, whatever, but everything is a learning experience and having that in mind definitely grounds me in my my space and also Mm -hmm. like humbles me so (laughs) I don't get too big of a head you know yeah oh yeah definitely I mean it's it's hard to just wrap our head I mean I've said it multiple times we live in a very male-dominated world there you go yeah and like everywhere you go you'll have someone tell you you know you're not doing this right or you know, maybe you could do this instead. And I'm like, let me do it the way I want to do it first. If it doesn't work, then we'll, we'll kind of figure it out. But in, in your experience, like what was the one thing that you've learned from having those experiences with, you know, ageism or um, misogyny or like whatever it is that, or mansplaining, like all, like what was one thing you've learned that you would wish, you know, kids who are wanting to go into this field that they would know themselves? That's such a big question (laughs) because I've learned so much about just in my very, very little time of working in these positions and Mm -hmm. being a woman in these quote unquote power positions. I've realized, I mean, I guess this isn't the most important thing that I've learned, but something that I've realized is that it's not always males or older people that are pushing back and giving you this resistance and making you feel like you're not capable. Um, It's such a competitive world and industry. And I have noticed that sometimes females see it as such a competitive world that there's only so many female spots that can be chosen. So it should be them not me or whatever and I mean I get it but also why can't we just build each other up and make more positions for women Mm -hmm. I get that right now it's a male dominant thing and they may only hire one woman for this one job because they either have to or want to feel diverse or whatever but it doesn't have to be that way and if women spent more time supporting other women there would be more positions because people would see that we're actually qualified you know rather than sabotaging or making other women feel bad for trying Mm -hmm. and we always talk about male pride and everything but girls have it too like yeah you know (laughs) So, Period. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that you have to be, have to treat people as people and see the human traits in everyone and see that everybody's trying. And, you know, what I've realized is that it's not a competition. Mm-hmm. No matter how much it seems like it's a competition and you're all gunning for the same spot, what's meant for you is meant for you. And all you can do is back up 
your kind of asking of being part of this position with your training and with your experience and what you can offer to the table. And the only competition is with yourself. I compare myself every day to people and I get frustrated being like, why am I not at this place? Or I'm at the same age as this person. Why don't I have this, this, and that? Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to keep reminding yourself like you're on your own path. (laughs) Way easier said than done, but it, everything happens for a reason. And I've had my fair share of those experiences and things that I wish I got and got mad about that I didn't get. And then realizing, oh, I wouldn't have gotten Julian the Phantoms if I had gotten this, or I wouldn't have met this person if I had gotten this. So Mm -hmm. just realizing what's meant for you is meant for you. Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely hard when social media is all about like, look at what I'm doing, you know, and look what I get to do. And I mean, for me, I turned 25 in a couple of months and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? But at the same time, I'm like, but I'm still happy and I'm got this cool podcast with some cool friends and a cool show that I just keep binging for no reason, but it's fine, you know? (laughs) As you should, as you should. As you should, as you should. (laughs) Tell your friends. <laughs> oh, I have gotten messages from my friends lately. I've watched the show because you can't stop talking about it. I'm like, that's what you should be doing. You should every be- day. Hannah I sends a new show. screenshot of her, of someone having texted her, being like, "I watched the show because of you." Thanks a lot. I'm crying now. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I love it. <laughs> At least for me, what works for me is when I feel down about all of that and thinking that. I'm behind and I mean in some aspects I'm not I I I realize my age and what I've accomplished and I'm I'm very proud of myself for that but with things like acting I feel like I'm very behind because there's I'm surrounded by people who have been doing this all their lives like like I have with dance you know or I've been surrounded by people who have been songwriting all their lives and I feel behind or directing or writing stuff like that but I've found especially in this past year that I have to be grounded in Kenny calls it his I mess this up every time (laughs) every time (laughs) I don't speak French but reason for being um yes his raisin bread (laughs) yes but if you ground yourself in your reason for being and the reason why you're doing this then all of that competition falls away because you're focused on what you want the message you want to put out rather than the content that you're putting out and for me that's spreading joy and light within people and not saying that I'm playing God and being like, oh, I makes everybody so happy. I, I'm just this ray of sunshine. No, not that. Just the intention that you put out really goes and speaks through your work. And then it's not about, oh, I got this award. I got that award. Or this many people streamed my that. Or mm-hmm. I reached this many people. Yes, of course you want to reach people so that you get your message out. But if you're grounded in that message, all of that competition doesn't matter. Yeah. And I mean, like the one thing I love about your account is you're always kind of posting these like 
motivational quotes and posts and it, it like it's always relevant to what's happening in my life and I'm like how does she know <laughs> girl you know why because I'm going through it <laughs> and I myself I'm going through it too I need these words of motivation um so I'm going to share it with you guys because I'm sure somebody else needs it too <laughs> I'm going through it <laughs> oh definitely and like and that's a, that's the thing right is we don't actually know what someone's going through because social media is very much of like, I'm happy, I'm succeeding, I'm doing everything in my ability to be good, but no one actually shows the negatives that they're going through or like the cons of whatever situation they're in. So yeah. th- I love your motivational little, keep keep them coming. They, they <laughs> need to <laughs> I just I need to let people know that I'm going through it too. And yeah, like you said, there's this facade that everybody's happy. And obviously you're not going to show your bad days, but every, everybody has them. No matter if you're freaking Beyonce or if, you know, so I just, I feel like sharing that stuff and making sure people know that you're human, just like everybody else is human creates more empathy for people Mm -hmm. and I mean I have I talk about this freaking link all the time (laughs) but there's a link in my bio link in my bio (laughs) there's a link in my bio that talks about the danger of a single story and if you just listen to it you just realize that there's so many sides to a story that you don't even know Mm -hmm. and when people are being negative towards other people or like even towards yourself there's so many things that you don't know and if you just knew it it wouldn't be a problem if that makes sense I don't know that was completely rambling no (laughs) No, no, it's beautiful I watched that video because I like when I started following you I was like oh what's this and I, I saw the whole thing and I absolutely loved it I totally agree with what you're saying so and that, that's something that also has helped ground me because mm-hmm. with social media, like you were saying, everybody seems so happy. They're doing this, this, and that. Um, they're achieving all these goals that you're not. And then you s- listen to that audio or her speech and you're like, oh, well, there could be so many other things happening that you just don't know about. And maybe they feel the same way as I am right now. And then you're like, okay, I don't feel so bad. But honestly, I didn't notice it until, I mean, this quarantine, I, I've i been posting whatever and I talk to people and we catch up, you know, the Corona catch up, like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I'm so you. Uh, it's, it's, it's a struggle, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> but people have come up to me and been like, oh, you've been consistently working since um, last year. And I'm like, where do you, where do you see that? I've been sitting in my house doing nothing, not doing nothing. <laughs> but I've been sitting in my house. I haven't stepped on a set since Julie and the Phantoms. I don't, where do you see that? And they're like, oh, well, I see you posting about this, this, and that. And I'm like, yeah, no, that, that was, that was because I was going through my camera roll, having nothing to do and having nothing to post. Let's be real. Um, so people, 
have these preconceived notions about you and you have to realize that you also have preconceived notions of them and so what you see isn't always what's true yeah well speaking of Julie and the Phantoms it's it's great because like it's just a community that's extended beyond just you know I've binged shows all the time, you know, Vampire Diaries, One Tree Hill, like I binge them, but I've never thought like a Netflix show is going to bring me so much more than just some tears in episode eight and nine because like, <laughs> I, I, okay. I might sound crazy because I've mentioned reason for being so many times, but I just feel like that speaks to how well Kenny's reason for being comes out through his work because it's the same with high school musical you can go over to anybody and be like we're all in me <laughs> and you know it's this community that <laughs> brings us all together I don't know and same with Descendants stuff like I personally haven't watched a lot of Descendants but I hear stories about their fandoms and how it's brought them together and mm-hmm. stuff like that and it, I just feel like it's something with all Kenny projects and I think it's insane and amazing yeah there's there's a running joke in the fandom that Kenny has a lab where he makes his uh, lead men because they all <laughs> look the same I for people I don't know like even the story about how Maddie got hired you he has this knack and instinct for seeing potential in people that nobody would even imagine and maybe that's why he gets such great results with these people because nobody else sees it Mm -hmm. but I also think it has to do with the way that he empowers people in the workplace at the same time because you know some directors just put you in front of the camera and be like okay you either give it to me or you don't and like they'll say a couple words to inspire you or whatever or get the, the emotion that they need out of you but with Kenny it's a full experience and he puts his whole life into you and makes you feel like you really can and it's the littlest thing to be like oh I believe that you can do this but the way that he inspires you it's really you can't explain it. I mean, I don't know if I've, I haven't watched any, not any of them, but I haven't watched a lot of the behind the scenes from the show. Um, but I don't know if you can see that through it's, the camera. It's palpable to me as like an audience member, like the way that he has conversations, like so intimately with the people around him and the people on set. And one of my favorite Instagram post that you did I don't remember when but it was like 10 things that I learned from Kenny Ortega or something like that like I remember reading that and I got like I got like emotional because it's just it's really it is it is palpable and it's very clear like the impact that that and, and the effort that he puts in into into making his projects like like impactful and profound you know yeah and the funny thing is about that, yeah, I wrote that in February because he gave that to me for my, he gave that journal to me for my birthday. Um, but throughout the show, I mean, this is just me, I'm exposing myself. I like write down from each person that I meet, like what I've learned from them. 
and what I admire and want to integrate in my life. And I mean, like everybody has a lo- such a long list, but Kenny's by far is definitely the longest. I mean, there's so much mm-hmm. to learn from him. He has, he's lived through so much and experienced so much and also just shares so much, which is incredible because again, this is such a competitive world and you would think that people don't want to share these secrets or things that have helped them, but every moment with Kenny is a teaching moment, whether he knows it or not. And he's not afraid to share these things with you and not afraid to rise tides so that the whole entire project can be up here rather than, oh, I know all these things, but I don't want to tell you because I, you know, you might be better than me one day. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's insane. But long story short, those 10 things were like already in my phone. And honestly, if you just look through that, you'll cry because <laughs> he's just incredible. And he's literally magic, magic, this man. Well, I mean, everything he touches, honestly, like, like you said, you can go to anyone and be like, we well, got to work and they'll know exactly what to do. The <laughs> man doesn't miss. He, he does knows not <laughs> Exactly. Would like, is there any kind of like imprint that you would say that they like left on you either like personally or professionally? Was there like something that they like left on you? The, the biggest imprint that Phantom's on me was showing me what's possible and really allowing me to visualize my life and my future before me I've always had an idea of what I wanted to do and these like checklists whatever but the show showed me like physically showed me that what I want to do is very much possible and the people that I want to surround myself with are there and there are people like that because I was kind of losing hope with feeling misunderstood and constantly like trying to explain to people that it's not that I don't love them and I I do but I have things that I want to get done and I grew up with a dad who was um, stationed in different places all the time but never missed a performance like even if it was over the phone never missed a birthday never missed calling me every day so I know that people can love from a distance and that's my personality like I my best friend growing up I like she's one person that knows that I love her so much and that I support her in whatever she's doing but I don't have to talk to her every single day I talk to her maybe like once a month sometimes just because schedules don't line up, whatever. But she understands. I was losing hope that people, maybe something was wrong with me and like I needed to change how I worked, which I mean, always there's compromise in any relationship, whether it's friends or whatever. But I was losing hope in my confidence that I needed to be how I was, if that makes sense. And making me feel bad for having these ambitions. And then on top of that, everybody always making girls feel bad for their ambitions, you know? It was really getting me down. But 
this show has showed me that there are other people like me and not that I want to surround with myself with people that are like me because I like me so much but it's just a nice confirmation and feeling of belonging mm-hmm. um both professionally and personally since we still don't know if we're gonna get a season two which is the reason we all cry ourselves to sleep if <laughs> there is a potential season two um what but like what are you like most excited about for it? like what do you want to like happen I'm most excited for the open-ended possibilities with the show and with what's to come with it and the people that it brings on. And I'm really just looking forward to being back in the company of my friends and mentors and being in this creative space where we're all working on the same thing, but also nurturing our other passions at the same time. I talk about how lucky I was to be involved in every single aspect of the set. And I'm looking forward to diving into that even more because yeah, first season I was able to do everything and see, but with 2020, I had the opportunity to learn more about these things rather than kind of just like jumping in um, and pretend, not pretending that I knew about these things because I sat and watched other sets, but being able to know more about these things so I can learn even more. I'm excited for that because you don't get to do that a lot with sets, even as an actor or a choreographer. Like I said, you come into the set, you're an alien, or even if you're a lead role, like not a lot of sets are open to having conversations with you while they're working. And, you know, it's so focused on this, but with Phantoms, I'd go over to John Joffin and be like, hey, why are you using this lighting? This, like, what's your reason for this? And if he had time, he'd explain it. And if not, he'd come to me at lunch and be like, hey, so I did this, this, and that because of this, this, and that. Or asking Dan and Dave questions about like, oh, so I noticed that you put this in the storyline. Why, why? (laughs) (laughs) What what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm looking forward to learning more and experiencing all that again. Yeah. Okay, I have a question that might break you, but it's fine. I've already (laughs) broken you out too much today. Good. (laughs) So it's still Julian the Phantoms related, but if Kayla was to become a phantom, what do you think her unfinished business could be? We're giving Kayla her own story right now. That's a good question. That's a good question. Like, I gotta think about that one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know much about Kayla because originally it was just supposed to be uh, that line about wait where those holograms <laughs> <laughs> I one of the students um and I mean it wasn't Kayla wasn't an actual character <laughs> um but I guess okay one of two things she's been best friends with Carrie her whole life and understands Carrie and the way that she conducts her business 
the way that she conducts her business. So she understands when Carrie's lashing out, it's not because she's a mean person or she's just like, she, Carrie just works so hard at what she does. And Kayla knows that. And for other people to dislike her or not understand her is really hard for her. So I feel like talking about unfinished business, I guess it would to get people to understand Carrie because <laughs> it was funny that scene where Nick goes, that was kind of rude or that was kind of mean. Don't you think we should go to class or whatever? Um, Kayla's there sitting, listening by and being like, ooh, what's the tea? But then at the end, like it got cut, but we walk, I, uh, Carrie storms off and then Kayla comes in and like tries to console her and like Carrie slaps her away. Um, but I feel like she just wants her friend to be understood and love the way that Kayla loves her. Um, but then again, my unfinished business could also be, we, we made up this thing, Sab and I, we're like, what if, what if Kayla wanted to, you know, sing with Carrie or <laughs> dance and choreograph and stuff. And um, Carrie just shot it down all the time. Like, cause she's the star, this, this and that. So maybe K Kayla has some sort of solo career. I don't know. <laughs> but at least like, contribute more rather than being a little minion yeah I mean I think we all would be like happy with a spinoff show that's called Dirty Candy um I'm all for that. <laughs> let me tell you I sent Dan and Dave um Molina's stickers of uh Gary and Kayla and they texted me back saying so I'm assuming you guys want a, a spinoff now and I was like I wouldn't be mad Really? I, watch that. <laughs> I get Perhaps. you have the priorities right now, but I wouldn't be mad at it. I could also help you write it. You know, fine. Exactly, it's doable. <laughs> if you need a designer for it, hit up your girl. Right, you. hit me up. We'll be there for support. Yes, love it. Got you. And okay. one other question would be. Um, so there were two specific scenes where you guys were like, you had to kind of be with the boys when they were just phantoms and they couldn't, you kind of had to pretend like they weren't there. How hard was that to kind of just ignore them, especially knowing from the behind the scenes, how like crazy they can get and goofy they can get. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was the hardest thing in the entire world. And I'm gonna be real, that was my first acting credit um, where it was predominantly acting and not just like, oh, you're you're gonna act in this scene because you're the dancer in this, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, I'm like really bad at this or I'm the most unprofessional actor ever because I cannot stop laughing. It is. So like, obviously I would do it for the job and be like put together. But as soon as they yell cut, like Sav and I were laughing our butts off. It was the hardest thing in the whole entire world. And I only have one scene with them, like, or one scene in general, really. But, um, but I talked to Sav about it after and she goes, 
yeah, no, that was like the hardest thing that I've ever had <laughs> ever. And especially with the boys would they would make little comments and it's not just the writing and the show that makes them funny. They're really funny in real life. And so hearing them say these little comments and not, and they're not even on camera and they're not even mic'd or anything. So the camera's just on me and Savannah. And we hear these little things and we're trying so hard not to pee our pants laughing. <laughs> and then on top of that, with Sav being mean to me in the show and her not being mean whatsoever in real life, it was just really hard to compose myself and just little comments I could not, I could not deal with. <laughs> I feel like if I was in that, you know, the scene after All Eyes on Me when Carrie's like, oh, isn't it past your bedtime? I feel like that scene, I would have not been able, I've been like, can you take me out of this scene? I can't. <laughs> it was so difficult. And a lot of the time with my eyeline, it would have to be like directly on Charlie Owen or Jeremy. And oh my gosh, when Jer uh, shakes his butt uh, after he can say, wow, my eyeline was exactly there. And then the boys would do stuff to try to make us laugh. And I'm like, guys, you were not helping whatsoever. And they're like, but it's funny. All right, and I think like the last question before we wrap up is, we know you're a lover of food. We know you, you, love, you love your food. So from all the traveling that you've gone to do from, you know, either Canada or, you know, you just went to Hawaii, any other place you've traveled to, what's your favorite thing you've tried? Favorite with anything is really hard for me because I'm such a lover of a lot of things especially food it's like trying to choose your favorite kid <laughs> I can't do that I can't um okay I have a food list that I keep in my phone I love um, that of course you have, you have of all the places that of I you have. <laughs> where is it I haven't traveled in a while so that's why well, I have yes. enough <laughs> COVID said uh, not this year maybe save some money and make food at home instead <laughs> right right I mean we luckily my dad is somebody who cooks a Ooh. lot and cooks a lot of different things from different cultures and he's always like try this try that even if you're hungry I mean even if you're full and not even hungry so that's that but ooh, this list is kind of long okay you know what? i'm just gonna read it all to you guys if you have time <laughs> let's do it let's do it yes please yes please all the time um, in San diego my very very like number one favorite place ever i think it's mostly yes the food is insanely amazing but, but the people there are they're like family like they're this Italian restaurant. Um, they have like couple like locations down in San Diego, but the Italian run and own um, their food. Oh, I'm like getting, I might go there today. It's called Buena Fricata. Um, They have the best pizza and pasta and everything. Like the one in Coronado has this Italian market in it and they bring in like 
salamis and meats and cheeses from Italy and the atmosphere is so cute. Everyone just go look them up, please. And if you go to San Diego, let me know and I'll like come with you. Honestly, I could eat one of them. COVID is done. So we'll be there. 30, 15 hours. Oh, okay. I will 15 hours, hours, I'll be there. I love it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, okay, I'm gonna go through these pretty quickly. Crushed is great bar food. Liberty Station has a whole lot of everything. Um, they have like little, not booths, but it's like a market and they have a bunch of different Same. places. Um, TJ Oyster Bar is one of my favorite Mexican surf and turf places. Uh, Taco El Gordo is great Mexican tacos. Ironside has great seafood and steak. The Henry's like this cute little it's very LA with like their healthy options and then they also have really good other it's like kind of everything um Barrow Gelato oh my god don't even get me started on their gelato it's so freaking good anyways um <laughs> Harumama in La Jolla has really good sushi and bao buns and they have these like uh themed dessert buns and my favorite is this panda one which is taro and vanilla mm. oh yum uh what else okay in LA. So hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um okay la is kind of a lot uh top faves are sweet green they're like salads and bowls. Oh, i love sweet green they have them here in chicago oh there's one like down the street from my from my office where i work oh I That's love it. their, I don't know if you have their like chicken pesto parm is my favorite. Oh my God, same. Okay, but I oh, do good. no tomatoes. I add cilantro and I substitute the chicken for steelhead. Ooh. It's, so... I had it, I don't even know how long ago I had it. But... I had it like this past week. Oh, so good. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Tessie's is a really good Italian place. Um, McConnell's is my favorite ice cream in the whole entire world. Uh, they, I can't even. They're my my favorite flavor is this double peanut butter chip, and like it's dark chocolate, crunchy chip bits with this like salty peanut butter, and in um vanilla ice cream. Oh, I don't I don't do dairy anymore because it's bad for my skin and my vocal cords but uh I would eat that in a heartbeat well I'll eat it for you it's okay <laughs> oh, sounds good um Felix is a good Italian place BBCM is they have the best eggs benedict ever they have it on these um like southern honey biscuits with uh pork belly on top of it and this amazing hollandaise I don't even know what's so special about it but it's insane um <laughs> once I get all this like acting and writing and directing and producing out of the way I would love to just travel and talk about food and I have this idea of doing maybe the two international languages are food and dance. Everybody eats and everybody has some sort of dance and movement in their life. And so it'd be fun to travel 
sit down and eat with someone because I feel like that's the most intimate way to get to know someone. Um, and then do like a dance movement exchange or something like that. That's so cool. I'll teach you how to polka. So cool. Well, Tori. Oh my God, please, please, that'd be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Taylor, when did you know how to do that? Um, My dance class that I had to take in college. Was polka of all things? never told us? (laughs) Sorry. I'll polka with you. All right. See you in a couple weeks. Um, okay, wait. Let me let me just shoot these out. Um, stout, amazing burgers, Taroni's, Italian. Okay, I guess I have a lot of Italian here. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that's all right. I love Italian food. Bread and pasta and all carbs are the best. <laughs> um, St. Anne's is a cute brunch place. Sunset Ties, the best Thai place that I've ever been to. Um. What else? Rubies and Diamonds is a cute coffee place uh, in Florida, in St. Peter's, in St. Petersburg. Uh, so this place called Ceviche Tapas, St. Pete, has this beautiful churro ice cream. Absolutely unreal. Um, in Boca Raton, there's this place called Wariki, I think. It's Peruvian. Okay. Phenomenal. Um, there's this place called Patio, which has great tapas. Um, in Vancouver, I talk about Social Corner all the time. Social Corner is my number one favorite place. They just opened up a new um, location, which is more like fine dining. It's gorgeous. I haven't been there yet, but I'm really wanting to. And I've been like, I follow them on Instagram and always talk to the owner about it. And they're like, honestly, just send you some food. I'm like, I feel like that wouldn't be the same, but I'm craving it so much at this point that I think it's fine. Um, there's a place called Octopus Garden, which is really, really, really yummy sushi. And they have this um, mochi strawberry dessert. Oh, so good. So it's like, out the outer layer is mochi with this red bean um, filling and then like a fresh strawberry in the inside. Mm. Phenomenal. Um, Heirloom is a great vegan option place. Uh, Rodney's Oysters is bomb. Cardam's Donuts. They made a donut cake for me for my birthday. It was like this big. So good. They have this Earl Grey donut and this smoked maple walnut donut and you have you had like maple bacon donuts yeah so it's kind of like that but like with walnuts that are that kind of taste like bacon if that makes sense oh. I don't know if you don't eat meat yes. then like perfect for you <laughs> um in Toronto there's this place called Patois it's like a Jamaican Asian Caribbean fusion restaurant that has the best fried chicken I've ever had like oh go check it out here. I live in Toronto and I've never heard of that place Hannah, go. Hannah, go. Hannah, go. They have go this, now they have this um option where you can like try everything on their menu it's a lot I, I but I promise you it's so worth it because it's yeah. but if you if you go you just have to have their fried chicken it's okay okay Deal. like the perfect amount of crispy but like thin skin it's like 
I don't know, like eating potato chips on the outside of your chicken. And then the flavor is so full and I'm like making myself hungry right now. I know, and me too. <laughs> the meat is so tender and juicy. Oh, and they have this like great dipping. Okay, I need to stop talking about it or else I'm gonna cry. <laughs> um, anybody in Montreal? Anybody? I just went there. The only Canadian. I'm the only Canadian in this we <laughs> love that we love that I'm not even Canadian but I asked it so it's fine. It's, okay. <laughs> it's fine um okay there's a place called love L-O-V yes. have you yes love it great um lots of phenomenal vegan vegetarian options um there's this place called Kampai Garden uh it's an Asian fusion they kind of have like a bar-ish section. It's like a Joey's, but Asian fusion and okay. a little bit elevated. Um, they have really good black bean noodles. Um, the... I'm just delivered to where I live now at this point. <laughs> Honestly, you should. <laughs> uh, there's this place called Pullman Bar. It's like a wine, wine bar, okay. but they have the best chocolate truffles like you bite into it and it melts in your mouth and I'm a sucker for dark chocolate oh so good okay last place Maui since yes. you know we, we went there real quick uh <laughs> humble market kitchen bomb bomb um the person uh, Roy, um, hold on, let me make sure I get his name right. I feel like in a post-COVID world where it's possible for all of us to dine out together, we need a mukbang episode. Oh <laughs> my God, yes. Yeah. Tori, you're welcome there's, to join. There's no, nothing better than talking and eating with people. Literally nothing better. Yeah, and I, I just love the fact that when you sit down and talk with someone, yes okay you're connecting whatever but if you have a meal with someone it's a whole level of a whole nother level of connection and experience whether you want it or not say two people that are divorced agree to a meal together they have this experience that not that they didn't want it but they have it and are bonded over it and you're not just sitting there with a plate and food you're sitting there with what you went through throughout the day and this conversation that goes with it and there's this level of breaking bread mm -hmm. and understanding I don't know food is just magical and I'm really hungry right now <laughs> I am so hungry now too uh, say I want someone to talk about me the way like with the passion that Tori talks about food <laughs> If someone doesn't talk about you with that much passion, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. No, I think I'd have to. I'd have to marry somebody who loves food as much as I do. Deal breaker. Yeah. Big deal breaker. What if they like deal breaker? I don't like it, and you're just like, well, I don't like you anymore. Okay, it might be a good thing if they don't, because then I wouldn't be eating so much not not <laughs> like balance each other out <laughs> yeah, balance each other out because I mean my love for food I blame my dad because he loves food so much and maybe it'd be good to like 
step away from them. Mm-hmm. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you just need someone who's willing to try new foods with you. Yes. Like new meals, that's new all restaurants, I you know, that's, that's all. That is all I ask. We can, as long as my grandma would always say, you have to try it 11 times before you decide you don't like it. So yeah. if somebody's down for that, sick. We love that. We love to hear it. Um, okay, but the, the restaurant's owned by Roy Yamaguchi and Chef Gordon. Um, it's so good. Their lamb and dumplings, chef's good. Um, Foodland, great poke. Um, Ulani's shaved ice, phenomenal. Um, Lineage is a really cute place. And yeah, I think that's it. So what I'm so hearing the, is once COVID's over, I need to book road a trip to Hawaii um, and try tour. try out. Yeah, we'll, we'll pick up. Oh my god! Away. Uh, I just had a, a talk with my cousin the other night. Sorry, this is like kind of tangent. Um, no, go for but it. We were wondering why people stopped whipping, <laughs> and I want to start it up again. But as <laughs> we'll support you. Sorry, but like not just like hey we're cool whatever but like oh let's go kind of thing or um you think of something really embarrassing that you did like five years ago you know that like cringe moment when you just like bring that up in your brain and you're like okay it's a swerve now. out of the lane swerve yeah. out you say that now but I'm the type of person like when someone says something or like does something it just like gets ingrained in my brain and I just like start picking on other people's you. habits I can guarantee you after this I'm gonna say honestly like all the time <laughs> and now I'm gonna start oh, doing yes. this unironically all the time we're just you're gonna get we're just gonna have you you're gonna live more gonna live in my great <laughs> great we're starting up again we're starting whip but not in a cool way but I guess it's not in a cool way I don't know. In an unironic way, yes. <laughs> bye. I'll just, I'll just gotta go. and I'll just be like, gotta go, bye. Okay, bye. I was thinking of doing a TikTok. I don't, I don't do a lot on TikTok and I still kind of don't get it, but um, I was thinking of doing a TikTok, but instead of uh, put a finger down, whip if you ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. please so i will i will be the first to duet it i will duet it, I will duet it with you. perfect yes it's been this was supposed to be an hour long we're nearing two hours <laughs> oh my god i always do this i'm so oh, sorry no no it's not all we love we're so grateful to have like your time and all like hearing all of your insightful like thoughts and words we really appreciate it it's this has been such a really fun and engaging time um thank you so much again for coming on our show we hope that everyone watching has um learned something from all the amazing advice and like thoughts and wisdom that uh Tori has shared and of course keep streaming the show keep telling your friends um and thank you all for watching and that's girl stuff